0: Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida, brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Banking, interest rates, and Florida versus Texas are all on the table in this download. South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez invites Vista Bank President Dan Sheehan to share what he's seeing in community banking across the region.
1: Welcome, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Florida Business Minds.
2: Well, thanks, Mel. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, you're currently the president of Vista Bank in Palm Beach Gardens, which is the Dallas-based company's first location outside of Texas. But many of our readers know you as the former chairman and CEO of Professional Bank, which you helped launch in 2008 and later guided through its 60 million IPO. You know, the bank's success ultimately led to its acquisition by Seacoast Bank for more than $488 million. So not too shabby. So let's chat a little bit about what led you to Vista Bank and how you've seen the banking industry change.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the management team over at Vista Bank, uh, in particular, the CEO, John Steinmetz, has been a, a good friend for a number of years. Uh, We ran into each other six or seven years ago at a number of the industry events uh, that, uh, you know, around the country and uh, became fast friends. You know, we've uh, spent a lot of time together in and outside of uh, the industry. And we're quite fond of what each of us were doing in our respective markets on a parallel path somewhat. Vista Bank had started a little bit over 111 years ago in West Texas and John took that over right about at the time that we had founded Professional Bank in in 2008. And so he was on in kind of a parallel fashion, somewhat of a similar strategy in Texas as to what we were doing in Florida. He was going into the the more exciting MSAs where there was lots of uh, household creation or household formation, job creation risk capital formation and hiring great bankers and capturing market share and that's simply what we were doing in florida and so we had talked uh, a number of times over the years about doing something together whether that was uh, merging the banks or him doing something with me me doing something with him and so it was a natural uh, evolution and occurrence that we started talking uh, once the professional bank uh, chapter ended
1: All right. Great. Can you share why Vista Bank chose to open its first Florida branch in Palm Beach County versus Broward or Miami-Dade counties?
2: Well, I think that, you know, we're going to serve all three counties from this first location. So I I don't think it was uh, particularly choosing one over the other. You know, Mel, there's a, a fun fact I'd like to share with you. But if you just look at the deposit base across the three counties, that would make us roughly, the 13th or 14th largest state in the country. We've got more deposits here than 37 or so of the the states in the country. So, um, you know, only being 80, 90 miles away and having the track record of doing business down there, doing business in Broward, doing in Palm Beach County, um, it was a little bit less geographically sensitive decision whether or not to be up here or down there for the first branch. I will tell you over time, we will end up, you know, being down there, being in Broward and being elsewhere in the state, just like we did my former institution. But uh, we do plan to to, to serve uh, folks out here. Now, specific to Palm Beach County versus Miami-Dade, if you look at those community banks, those number of community banks that are headquartered in Palm Beach versus Miami-Dade County, there's a lot fewer up here. And that's done to say anything other than... If you look at the banking landscape in general, we don't pretend to want to be everything to everybody. And there's certain borrowers and clients that are going to want to need and gravitate to much larger banks, and that's okay. But there are other clients that typically like to transact with smaller banks. And having that contrasting experience and option to folks resonates with certain people. And so there's just not a whole lot of options up here versus down there. There's still a handful of community banks down in Miami-Dade, that there's very few or next to none up here left.
1: Now, Vista Bank is often touted as the entrepreneur's bank, and we have a lot of startups and small to mid-sized companies in South Florida. Can you talk a little bit about some of the services that Vista will provide here and how those services might differ from those offered by larger banks, if so?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I think that, uh, and I'm shooting a bit from the hip here, but I don't think I'm too far off, but roughly 70 to 75% of all small business credit offered to small business is provided by community banks. And most of these small business owners fashion themselves and behave like and act like uh, you know entrepreneurs. And those are the folks that we typically resonate with. That's the crowd we typically run with. I mean, we, we do bank an awful lot of you know larger companies and larger entities, but it resonates with those small business owners who fashion themselves as entrepreneurs. And now notwithstanding that, and while we are smaller than a number of the national banks, I'd like to think we punch above our weight class in terms of our treasury management services, and other tangential offerings that uh, help the small business owner, which might get lost or slip through the cracks at you know, some of the the bigger banks. I'd also tell you that, notwithstanding the activity we have in the traditional debt capital products, so you know commercial lending for commercial real estate, construction lending, um, residential mortgage lending and just corporate finance or commercial and industrial lending. We have financed uh, some search fund you know, portfolio companies, private equity backed uh, sponsors. We've uh, taken a, a look at some venture debt or what other large banks may consider venture debt. And so, you know, long story short, we believe that all businesses are like a lemonade stand. Some are certainly more uh, complicated than the others, but if we're able to clearly understand the business, and price and structure, a reasonable amount of debt within the respective risk parameters we set for us, we're happy to take a run at these businesses that all too often don't get the love or don't get the attention at some of the larger banks.
1: Now, as I was doing research for this podcast, I kept reading about how technology has revolutionized the banking industry. What's your take on how technology is impacting banks and, and what do you see as some of the pros and cons to this ever-changing and expensive technology?
2: Well, that's right. I mean, I I honestly think that over the next five to seven years, the way banks interact with their clients will change more than the last fifty years. Now we've slowly seen, broadly speaking, now there, there is branch count increase in some markets in Florida for obvious reasons, but broadly speaking, the industry has been shedding branches. They've realized bricks and mortar in terms of the volume or the head count or unit count of of bricks and mortar is not mission critical to capturing market share. But I do believe over that time period, market share will eventually migrate to those banks that do both really well. When I say both, I mean, they're still going to maintain that traditional experience and giving people an option to visit their money at a branch, but they're also going to have a complementary great digital channel and experience that will allow clients to interact with their money more efficiently. And so if you think about what we can do with our phones right now, so I, I could have a, a car, I could buy a car this afternoon on my phone and have it delivered to my driveway. Amazon is now offering, you know, same-day delivery, and certainly Prime is usually the next day or, or within two days. You can close with Rocket Mortgage or some of these other conforming loan a loan origination plan, you can do mortgages and so forth on your phone and so forth. And so if I think the banks that are slow to realize that client expectations and what folks are going to demand and expect as time goes on, that don't react to that. I think those are going to be on the losing end of, of market share. And so at Vistabank, we're spending a lot of time you know, figuring out how to remove some of the friction of interacting with their money. And not only on the client side, but also internally. Banks are charged with shuffling a lot of paper at the end of the day, whether it's requesting information uh, from borrowers, underwriting deals, maintaining files. And there's a lot of work and improvement banks can do internally to become more efficient. Thus, on the front end, clients will have faster turnaround times, uh, clearer communication, ability to close things uh, sooner, and overall just a better experience.
1: I'd also be remiss if I didn't ask about how the Fed's interest rate hikes have impacted lending, especially since many of our sources, especially commercial developers, say that lending has slowed considerably due to those rate hikes. Can you share some advice for them? Yeah,
2: sure. Well, you know, I'll first start by saying, you know, predicting interest rates is like predicting the weather. I mean, if someone was to force me to bet where we would be two years from now, I'd like to think we're closer to the the top of the cycle than the bottom. So, you know, I'd like to think it'd be lower, but you never know. No one knows. It's like someone commenting on the weatherman. If the weatherman comes on and says there's a 50% chance of rain tomorrow and it doesn't rain, well, was he right or, you know, was he wrong? And I would just tell you that As it relates to interest rates and the contractual lending, there's there's a couple reasons why that's happening. One is with interest rates going up, folks are expecting greater return on their cash. And if banks aren't being competitive on what they're paying on money markets and saving accounts, banks or bank clients are finding alternative places to park their cash. And so when that funding leaves the bank, the bank has to find other Alternative sources to fund those loans, i.e., perhaps new clients to come in and and pay higher rates, or maybe pay higher rates to retain those folks. And so, paying higher rates on those retain those folks and maintain the margin will lead to higher priced, uh, you know, loans. And so, when the cost of funds for banks goes up, the cost of those loans, the yield of those loans will go up. And so, I think that you know the developer community is certainly going to need to adjust some of their pro formas and account for some of these higher costs of capital uh, going forward. You know, some developers are a little bit less sensitive to that than others. I mean, down in South Florida, the way we've been capitalizing many of our condo projects is leveraging buyer deposits. And so, you know, that's a great slice of capital that fills out the capital stack because that's zero cost money and lowers your weighted average cost of capital across the stack, but banks still play an integral role in providing that senior secured you know, construction lending. And I think that developers are going to have to adjust for that. And this is going to have a dampening effect on land prices for development. It will have a dampening effect on some of the margin that developers might be seeking in some of these projects that they were eyeing a couple of years ago. And if they uh, can't meet the bank's requirements and so forth, they're going to end up seeking uh, financing from alternative, kind of non-bank entity or non-bank lenders, and their cost of capital is also driven by you know higher interest rates. If they've got retail or institutional capital that's investing with them, well, they're sizing the returns they can get get from these non-bank lenders investing with these non-bank lenders. Versus what's out there on the market. I mean, the risk free rate, you know, over the 10 year had a one handle on it just two years ago. It's above four now. And so folks have to account for 300 basis points on quite a bit of money in the system, and, and it does take time to adjust.
0: Dan Sheehan joining us. Next, he looks to the future in banking. When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates.
1: Now, as a veteran banker, what do you see as the next big banking trend, say, over the next 10 years? You know, where do you see the opportunities?
2: I do think that there's a big opportunity with technology. I think generally speaking, and I'm in the industry, so I'll I'll share a bit of the responsibility, but In general banks have been slower to adopt digital transformation and technology than many other industries and that is for good reason we are highly regulated we have to follow a lot more rules than most folks in caring for money customer deposits and operating a sound and safe environment within the banking business model but i do think that on the margin there's a lot of low hanging fruit for management teams of banks to start implementing technology and not putting some of those safety and soundness elements at risk just workflow improvements internally there's minor things on how banks can interact with our clients so i just think that There's a really big opportunity to introduce more and more technology and in some cases even lower the risk in transaction in the traditional banking business model. I think another trend that I foresee over the next few years, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more of it in the second half of this year, is more consolidation. There is, uh, you know, quite a few banks that are in good markets some are are in less than attractive markets, but uh, there has been little to no expansion. There has been in terms of their market and many of them in some markets, in some cases, are acting more like a a public utility where they're offering kind of a a simple service in a particular market. But there's really not a whole lot of uh, expansion growth or vision into what might be the future. And I think that those banks that are private that don't have a succession planning in place and or public that don't have succession planning in place, I think they'll start considering you know, consolidation uh, to get into a more exciting market where there is growth or to merge with a partner that's got some technological uh, benefits enhancements that they perhaps don't have and don't have the intellectual capital within the org chart to figure out so i just think that with time we're going to see some more consolidation for the preceding reasons you know there is a really great opportunity to have a a banking institution that gets has relevant market share in both florida and texas they're arguably the best two you know two best states in the country and one of the stats that i actually pulled from one of your articles earlier this year was net new taxable income as reported by the IRS. And this is one thing that I love to share with some of my partners that sit in Dallas every year because we're always having a friendly debate, well, which state's better, Texas or Florida? I'm quick to remind them that in Texas last year, there was roughly $6 billion of net new taxable income. So that's folks or businesses that are now domiciled in Texas and paying taxes, well, Florida was 24 billion. And so it was 4X Texas. And so uh, just to give people a sense of the scale of not only people, but capital and business that is now calling Florida home. So it's it's a really cool stat and uh, it really puts things in perspective Florida relative to
1: Texas. So what are the chief differences between the banking markets in Texas and the banking markets in Florida.
2: There's an awful lot of similarities on one hand, but there's also some really unique nuances. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples. You know, folks talk about Florida being all one state and everything's somewhat similar in Florida. Well, as you know, Mel, if you walk around, transact in you know, Miami-Dade County, it's a wildly different experience than being up in the panhandle, right? even though they're both Florida, the look, the feel of business, how you interact with folks is wildly different. I can say the same thing in Texas. West Texas is very different. Lubbock is very different than Dallas. Dallas is unique to Austin. Uh, Austin is unique to Houston. El Paso is quite different than all of them. And so uh, I would tell you that largely speaking, both states have a great business climate from a taxes and weather perspective. They've got great leadership around issues and policy related to business and enticing folks to come down there and stay. But I tell you, within the state, boy, or boy, there are big differences in certain regions of the state versus other, just like a comparison to, to Miami-Dade and the Panhandle. So it, it's uh, I'm able to navigate and know my way around Florida, and my partners are pretty good at doing that in, in Texas, so we're helping each other out on both fronts, uh, you know, figuring out uh, where to be and, and uh, where to grow in, in the
0: respective states.
1: Great. Thank you so much for being our guest today. I mean, it was a pleasure to catch up with you and to learn more about this Bank and also to hear a take on the banking industry, you know, where it's headed. I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, I know you're a busy man. So, Well,
2: thank you, Mal. I appreciate the time and appreciate the opportunity to be speaking with you uh, this afternoon.
0: Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.